You are listening to the Transformation Table, where we talk about God's business. Morning, dear listener. Welcome on Unlock Radio. Praise God, we are together, and you are joining us on the Transformation Table Zoom meeting, where brothers and sisters all over the world, we even have a brother from Namibia, an old face on the Zoom, Samuel Hendricks, but also a guy, uh, I believe one morning he will be, uh, share a bit his story on the transformation table, a guy that was transformed from an escape artist to, uh, to an evangelist preaching the word of God inside and outside of prison, wherever he comes. He's like David Minyatsu. He will even pre- preach to the stones if the people don't want to listen. So... Praise God for this morning. Yeah, the invitation has been sent with our favorite song for our transformation table, Sidewalk Prophets that sang, Come to the Table. You are invited to join us this morning, wherever you are, even if you still lie in your bed in the cell. But I can uh, maybe be like a drill sergeant this morning. Get up, get up, get out of bed. It's time to wake up. It's time to rise and shine for this day, for the glory of the Lord has come. Good morning, my brothers and sisters on the Zoom. Good morning, Menzo. How are you doing? Good morning, Freak. Thank you very much for the introduction and setting this up for us uh, as every morning. Uh, good morning, Peter, Sadie, Samuel, Atman, Magda, Peter, Sue, Mvim, Alida, and Anthony. And the guys are still going to clock in. Good morning to everybody. Yes, uh, Freak. Uh, when we, when we, when we, um, in the battle, in the walk with God, you don't wake up carefully. You wake up as if you want to. With force. <laughs> with force. With focus. with focus. With happiness. With um, with um, excitement for the day. Isn't that uh, isn't that already a blessing? Just getting up with that excitement. You know that yeah. that what is God going to do today? That is going to amaze me. Yeah. You know, not because that is what God wants to do. It's because we. We struggle to believe in all the things that that is possible. You know, mm. um, I, I wonder by myself sometimes. You know, uh, me and I have uh, many conversations often, and uh, often I tell myself, "You're such an idiot." You know, you you believe you you didn't believe that this would be possible. You know, and uh, by now one should we should know better. But um, yes, uh, is it uh, one of the old? Uh, previous century uh, American um, presidents. I'll think of his name now. He said, "If you, if you have to kick the man that caused all the trouble in your life, if you have to kick the man in the pants that caused all the trouble in your life, you won't be able to walk around, walk for 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 years because <laughs> um, because." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've kicked yourself because it's normally you that create the trouble in your life. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, let's kick off the right way. Uh, who are we going to ask? Um, uh, <clears throat> Magda, could I, could I ask you to open for us in prayer this morning, if you don't mind, please? Morning, Father. Um, morning, um, everybody. Morning, Jesus. Morning, Holy Spirit. Thank you that we can come to you today, Father, in the name of Jesus, and we ask that you will speak with us and that you'll commune with us and that you'll transform us so that we can do what you want us to do in this nation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Sure. Thank you, Martha. So so direct, so on the point. We are entering a time where we believe where I believe that we're gonna to have to be like um, sharpshooters, you know, we're going to have to be accurate. We're going to have to be diligent. We're going to have to be purposeful. We're going to, we're going to have to do each of one uh, extraordinary things in our atmosphere to, um, to get things sorted out in our country. So I'm excited for that. A little bit scared, a little bit scared, um, but excited. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> last week we had an incredible uh, chat and um and Sadie uh, came up with um with uh, the 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 gifts you know uh, um, and and she and she intrigued me with um 
with the, the gifts. Uh, Sadie, just help me if I'm, I'm going wrong here. But it's the hand, the heel, which is the feet, the head, the mouth, and then you bowled me over with the hat. So please, <laughs> please take me out of my misery. <laughs> Maybe, Sadie, if you don't mind, share with us a little bit who Sadie is and um, and then uh, explain to us what the hat is and the rest of the gifts, if, if, you, don't, if you don't mind, please, Sadie. Thank you very much for... For um, for give, sharing your wisdom with us, thank you. Uh, good morning, family. Good morning, Dumelang Mulweni. Um, yes, my name is Sadi, and um, I'm from a small town, rural town in the far northwest, called Lechtenberg. And, and and I always tell people that I go van Lechtenberg. So um, and uh, but I moved to Pretoria in nineteen ninety seven. So but my roots are still in Lechtenberg. Um, I'm still a farmer there. Uh, with with my kids, we are still farming. Um, although I am now in Pretoria. That's that's sad. And um, my passion is community development. And um, it, it, it runs in my blood. I, I grew up in a family uh, that used what they have to make a living from the farm. You know, um, uh, we, we, we had um, um, neighbors who were uh, white uh, Africana farmers and uh, we shared knowledge uh, amongst each other. So uh, we used to make our own bure sip, uh, we'd make butter and um pampuna you name it so um i basically uh used you know uh, grew up in an environment where uh, we used what we have um just for a moment my granddaughter is going to school now she is just wants to say <laughs> uh, granny goodbye <laughs> bye bye goodbye yeah okay yeah, so she, she just wanted to come and say good morning and goodbye, Granny. Uh, yeah, so today um, I I thought I should talk to us as, as a collective about an approach that is actually focusing on transforming communities and households uh, in God's way. Uh, God's way of transformation. And, and that approach is called the asset-based community development approach. So, so it's a, it's a, it's a Bible-based, uh, for me, it is the, the foundations of the asset-based approach is actually the word of God. Uh, and, and that's where this issue thing of gifts come from. So, um, the the the, the um, asset based uh, community development approach it is a a bottom up localized way of working with communities and and it is actually an approach that strengthens uh, communities and families through their gifts through their skills through their talents through their experience through what they have around them, uh, assets, resources, natural, physical resources, conversations, and, and those are the, 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 the assets that are in communities. And But mainly the focus is on gifts. And, and the foundational truths of, of this asset-based approach, it's that um, everyone has a gift. No one is useless. And everyone has something to contribute. And everyone cares about something. And, and when you care about something, it means it's something that you are passionate about. And that is something that motivates you to act. So the, those are the, the, the basically the three foundational truths. There are other principles, but these are the foundational truths. And 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 that is why I say the asset based is is it's it's a Bible based or value based uh, value based approach, which is the foundations of it 
are the truths that come from the Bible. Everyone has a gift. God did not create anyone without a gift. Hence, uh, there is no baby who's born with an open fist. Every child that is born is born with a clenched fist because within that fist, God has deposited a gift. God has deposited a talent. And it depends where that hand is going to be opened. If it is opened in an environment that is not going to nurture this gift, then the child gets lost. But if this hand is opened in an environment that helps it, that nurtures it to make sure that, you know, this godly given talent and gift uh, will be used appropriately. So um, it is also based on the uh, idea that strong communities uh, are built by recognizing, uh, celebrating, as well as um, harnessing existing community assets. Because people, uh, in most instances, have been socialized to not even care for what they have, not to use what they have. Now, um, when I, when when you go into the the, the core of this uh, asset based approach, it's that uh, we we can use what we have. So it focuses much on what we have than on what we need. Now, if you read the book of John, uh, John chapter six verses one to twelve, uh, that is where uh, uh, the Bible tells us about the 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 parable of um, the 12 uh, loaves and the two fishes. So um, in, in, in this, in this uh, 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 parable, we read about uh, Jesus with Philip and Andrew and other disciples. And there was a crowd that was following Jesus and that crowd was hungry. And, and Jesus said, but how are we, what, what is it that we are going to give? these 5,000 hungry people. And, and um, Jesus knew what he would do, but then uh, he looked up and, and, and he said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that all these people may eat? And he was saying this just to test him because he already knew what he was about to do. And, and Philip's answer was, uh, 200 pennies worth of bread is not enough that everyone may receive even a little. And then another of his disciples, which is Andrew, Andrew, he said, there is a little boy here who has with him five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many people? Now, now if you look at the the, the, these two responses. Uh, Philip responded from a need-based perspective because he was seeing the need. And, and this is uh, the dominating approach. Every time when we go into communities, the first thing that we look for, we look at or we see, it's the need. But then Philip saw something, I mean, Andrew saw something that Philip missed. He saw a boy with 12 loaves of barley bread and two fishes. So what did, what did Andrew see? Andrew saw resources. Andrew saw assets. So, so in, in, in most instances, uh, we see what, we don't really see the value of what is before us. We see the problem and we want to fix the problem. So our eyes get focused on the problem. We forget that uh, there are also gifts, there are also talents, there are also resources. So th this story uh, uh, also tells us that uh, Jesus actually used the asset-based approach. <laughs> so hence for me, the ABCD, it's, it's, it's an approach that Jesus used in most instances, when he was talking about the, when he was talking, when, when he was sharing these parables. And, and also when you go to 2 Kings 4, uh, 1 to 7, that is the story of Elisha and the widow, the widow's oil. 
uh, when Elisha got to that household, he found that you know the the the, the husband of this woman died, it left them with lots of debts, and 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 she was actually crying to say, you know, my husband died, just left us with so many debts, and Elisha's response was, "What do you have?" And she said, "I have only this uh, small amount of oil." So the oil is a resource. It's a natural resource. And what did he say? He said, go and borrow other um, barrels of oil. And she went out to borrow barrels of oil. So um, if, he did, if she did not have more barrels, God would not be able to add more oil that she could sell. So what do we see there? We see resources. We see uh, um, Elisha and, and the widow. These are human assets. And the widow had her children. These are human assets. Because they had to go out there now and go and get the, the barrels of oil. And we see also what? Physical assets. Because those barrels of oils, those barrels that she had to borrow, are physical assets. They are made of clay. They are physical assets. And then there's also financial assets because she had to sell to be able to pay her debt. So, so in 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 these parables, you can clearly see that uh, Jesus's parallels. I mean, parables were actually talking about um, what we have. So focus first on what you have rather than on what you need because what you have is basically what you've got to use to address your need. But if you focus on the need, you get so overwhelmed with the need and you even forget that you, God has given you gifts, God has given you resources. It does not matter how small those, uh, those uh, resources are because, um, you, know, um, you know, what is interesting is that you see miracles and you see maximization. Uh, so so uh, you see a, a little, but that little is maximized. There were 12 loaves and two fishes, but those were maximized and they fed uh, 5,000. And they actually even had reserves of that could fill leftovers that filled 12 baskets. So uh, which says to us, uh, when you engage with communities as a development worker, focus on what people have. It doesn't matter whether it is five cents, because with motivation and with a better understanding of how to use that five thousand five five cents, it can be maximized to become five thousand. This woman had just a little, a small jar of oil, but there was maximization, and she had many barrels of oil which she could sell to be able to, to, to address her debt. So we see that, uh, you know, the lesson from, from the miracles is that miracles and, develop, and development start with what we have. You know, there can never be a miracle that can happen in your life if you are not aware of what we have, because that's where you've got to start. So miracles and development start with what we have, and miracles and development happen when we maximize what we have. So you'll remember the, the story of the five talents. So if you have a little, that is where the miracle for development starts. And then that in itself, uh, you know, development and, and that miracle happens now when you maximize that. So, so um, and, and also there are also valuable lessons that we also learn from uh, the, 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 the parable of um, the, um, from these two parables. The first valuable lesson is that begin with what you have and not what you don't have, which is a need-based approach. Now, the need-based approach is an approach that is um, contributing or creating an environment where people will come up with a whole shopping list of needs. When you go into a household and you ask them, what do you need? You are going to get a shopping list of needs. And that also in itself creates expectations that 
needs can only be met by people who come from outside or an expert who comes from outside. And when you talk about development, we talk about development inside out or development uh, outside in. Now, the need-based focuses on development outside in. That development will come from somewhere and then it will go into the community or into the household. And, and that also, it is actually creating dependency. Uh, it, 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 the, the sense of, of dependency is reinforced because now people begin to depend on someone who comes from outside. They don't see potential in themselves. They don't see potential in what they have. So they, they, they lose their self-worth and they begin to believe only that help can only come from outside. Whereas they've got solutions, they've got answers, they've got gifts, they've got talents, but they undermine what they have because of uh, focusing so much on the need and the expectation that someone will come from outside, from somewhere to come and address my need. And, And therefore, people become poorer and poorer because they do not even appreciate what they have. And while they're waiting for someone to come and be their Messiah from somewhere, while they're waiting for manna to fall from heaven, then that is when they begin to get poorer. They start selling even the little resources that they have. Now, the the, the second, uh, uh, this valuable lesson that says, begin with what you have. So begin with the assets that you have. It does not matter how small they are but they can be maximized to make a difference. So, um, and, and, and when you go uh, <clears throat> further with, the, with, with, with this, uh, the parable of the fish, uh, like I said, Jesus then said to his disciples, don't uh, throw away the leftovers because those leftovers can become a resource for another person. Now, what does it say from the perspective of asset-based development? It says there is no, nothing that is called waste. Because, you know, when, when, when I engage with communities about waste that is lying around in their communities, I always tell them that wealth, I mean, waste is wealth. So you, you don't throw away anything and say this is waste. So, so waste is wealth. Uh, if you've got a lot of um, leftovers um, or peels of vegetables or whatever, that is compost. And everything <clears throat> can be recycled and reused. So, so the, the, you know, the, the basis of asset-based development is that there is nothing that is called waste because waste in itself is wealth. So, the, the, the asset-based approach actually challenges people to recognize and appreciate what they have and how they can achieve and drive their own development when they start with what they have. You know, the approach that is dominating in South Africa and which is actually uh, pushed by our government is a need-based approach. You know, government will come with this. Government will give you food parcels. Government will build an RDP house for you. Government will do this. Government will do that. Government will. So our and our government has become an over-promising government that does not deliver. And 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 now it leaves people so frustrated. But uh, it also has um, eroded that self-help mentality. It has eroded the people's. Uh, appreciation of what they have. We've got so many graduates, so many young people, more than 60% of the young people in South Africa are just sitting, they're not working. Uh, you know, they don't realize that they do have assets, they do have gifts. You know, a person would sit with a BCom, but this person is actually very good in braiding hair, but they undermine the gift of that creative gift, that gift of the hand. You know, when we when we talk about human gifts, we talk about or, or human assets, we focus on the gifts. The five gifts that uh, Menzo is so much interested in, the gifts of the head, the gifts of the head. There are people who've got the gift of the head. These people are 
you know, your mathematicians, people who can, uh, you know, do anything or, you know, they can, they are very good. They, 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 they are intellectuals. But sometimes you can be an intellectual. You can come up with very good business plans. You can you can be a very intelligent person who can actually resolve, you know, who comes up with uh, solutions, but not able to put that uh, into practice. So this person has got the gift of the head, but does not have the gift of the hand. So the people with the gifts of the hand are the creatives. You know, people who've got who can actually take an idea and 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 you know uh, design something out of an idea. And then there are people who've got the gift of the heart. These are the compassionate people. You know, people who've got the gift of the heart are people who can work with people. You know, when you see a person who's hungry, you are moved. When you see a child who is just, you know, roaming the streets and is not clothed, you know, um, they, they are quick to, 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 to find something to clothe that child. People who are very good in working with people, they've got very good relations. They are actually uh, people who can be uh, in, in HR because they can, they can relate to people. They've got the gift of the heart. And then you've got people who've got the gift of the mouth, like myself. I always call myself a barber back. You know, uh, you know, Barberbeck, they're the fish that's called the barber. So, but if you're a Barberbeck, God has given you that gift to go and use it to transform his people, not to kill his people, not to, to undermine people. It is to use that gift to do what the Lord wants you to do. Transformation of people. Go and speak, motivate people. Go and make people feel that they, they've got self-worth. Go and reignite uh, that 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 gift that people has forgotten about that they have. Uh, so you've got the gift of the mouth. The mouth is a very powerful uh, a weapon. You know, it can kill, it can destroy, it can build, it can destroy. So we've got to be able to use that gift in a proper way. There are people who've got the gift of the feet. Uh, you know, people who've got the gift of the feet, we call them rontloopers. But the rontloopers, they are, these are the people who would go out and find opportunities. These are the people who would go and do marketing. So it is very important to even understand your own children. Even when you go into a household, the first thing is to say, what assets do you have in your household? Do you have children? Yes, I've got children. You've got people staying in the household. Yes. What are the gifts that they have? Because when we were talking about the tools last week, the toolbox, that is the toolbox in every household. Because God has given us people in a household and each one has a specific talent. Some of them have got two, three or four of those in one. Some of them have got only one. But how do we then bring to take all these tools in terms of human beings with gifts? How do we take these gifts and make sure that we can utilize the gifts to improve our situation, to sustain our livelihoods, to improve our well-being? Even at a community level, how do you create awareness in a community that you've got gifts in these communities? You've got people with talents. Some of them are retired, but they are retired engineers. You know, when there's a leakage of water in the community, that person is a, is a resource in the community that can go and help the community to, 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 to be able to repair that leakage. There are people who are gifted. They may not have gone to school. Because God's gifts and skills are not about education. Education is simply there to, 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 to strengthen. And you can leverage what you have studied to strengthen your gift. But that gift is what God has given you. And that is what you've got to do. So it is about also understanding your purpose. Because your purpose is actually informed by the talents and the gifts that God has given you. So many people are roaming around not knowing what their purpose is. Not, not knowing what talents they have, not knowing the gifts that they have and how they can actually utilize and maximize those gifts to be able to make a difference for themselves and for the communities uh, around them and even for the nation. Because when we use our gifts and our talents uh, in, a, in, 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 in a proper way, in a godly way, in a purpose-driven way, we can actually change the nation. So uh, now all these are showing that 
the asset-based approach is a biblical concept. So what does it say to us when we go into communities? It says, don't focus on the needs, focus on the assets, focus on and how these assets can actually help the communities to, uh, to, 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 to be able to use them in and maximize them for their own development. Now, when we talk about the 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 need based uh, approach, we we always refer to that as the half empty glass perspective. You know, when you are you've got a glass of water, uh, and and it is half. Uh, there are people who would see a half empty glass, but there are people who would see a half full glass. Now, when you see pers- a communities from a half-empty glass perspective, is that you are seeing a community that is full of problems, that is full of, of, of needs. Uh, you know, it's a deficit way of seeing people. And because when a glass is half-empty, it means, you know, it is about to, to be empty. The more you drink the water, the more then at the end of the day, it ends up empty. That is why communities that are seen from a half-empty glass perspective become poorer and poorer and poorer because the resources are drying. They are selling the little bit that they have. They abuse even what they have. You know, there, there are people who can be very beautiful. They use that beauty to go and 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 and, and prostitute. They, they don't use it in a manner that is appropriate. So, so what is it? So we've got to see people from a half-full glass perspective. Because a half-full glass says, but if you add on it, you it, we can fill it up. So if co- you see communities from a perspective of a half-full glass, it means you are seeing a community with potential. You are seeing a community with strengths. You are seeing a community with uh, capacities. It does not matter how they see themselves as poor, but even when you stay in a, a, a shack, that shack for that particular time, it is an asset because it is providing shelter. But our people don't have a vision, which is also another gift because you've got, when you've got the, the tools, you've got the assets, you must have a vision as to where do you want to see these assets that you have taking you to. But people who don't have a vision, you know, even in Habakkuk, Habakkuk 2, it says, when you've got a vision, write it down. You know, it might tarry, but ultimately it will happen. It might take long, but it will happen. You're staying in a shack, but what is your vision? If your vision is to live in a four-roomed house, sorry, in the next two years, what are you going to do? What do you have that will take you to your vision? I am receiving 350 rand a month. But that is an asset. That is a financial asset that we have. How can you use that 350 to make sure that in two years' time you are living in a four-roomed house? So so when you engage with people in that manner, then you know um, people don't see the power of numbers. And this is a traditional, there's a traditional African. A way of doing things, which is called litsema. It's called litsema in Setswana, in, in Isizulu, they call it ilima. Uh, litsema is a collective approach to, to ap- achieving your goal. You know, in the past when uh, people wanted to till, to, to clear the land, you know, for, for, for agriculture, they would say, uh, I'm calling a litsema. And calling a litsema, it means you are calling people in the community to say, come and help me to clear this piece of land. And when they come, uh, then you your role is to make sure that they've got tools or you ask them to bring their own tools and then you make sure that they've got something to eat. But most importantly, you are the lead, you are the driver of this thing. So you've got to be the most active so that you can give people the, 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 the you can motivate people to help you. So communities that are not, uh, that are simply just waiting and sitting, and they're not doing anything, it is very difficult to help that, to work with that community, because then 
uh, you come and they are just sitting there waiting for you to do everything. And we talk about people-driven development. We talk about community-driven development. And this also is, is also one of the uh, uh, motivating idioms that um, we, that are used in in African in African uh, 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 living, which is called let's let's ema, and we've got a saying that says let's ema let Now you know it's a tongue twisting um, uh, idiom, but basically what it says is that if you want to reach a goal, you can only be uh, assisted when you are actually taking the driver's seat. So so the ABCD says people must lead their own development. They must not be waiting for people to come from outside. They must first appreciate what they have. And when they call for outside support, that outside support must find them doing something. But because already the people have, you know, this, this uh, have been socialized to, to wait for government. When we engage with communities, we've got now to go in there and, and, and rekindle this fire and restore this, uh, this these assets that they have and create that awareness that you've got assets, you've got solutions, come up with your solutions. We will be there to support you and to help you to shape it. But we cannot come with solutions into your community because then it will not be sustainable. The moment you leave, then whatever that you started dies off because it is not something that they own. But when they, 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 they are part and parcel of the decision-making of the planning processes, and they are aware that they've got assets. When we talk about action, they are actually the first people to say, this is what we will do, and this is where we need minimal support, and this is where we cannot do anything. You know, we've got a lot of waste around the community, but we've got the, we can go and collect the, the waste. We can go and pick up the waste, but we need, what support do we need? We need support to, you know, to, to be taught how to, uh, recycle this waste so that we can make money out of it. And what is it that we cannot do? Uh, maybe you know we need um, uh, uh, you know to roll out uh, these uh, waste stations, which is a municipal role to go and and so so people must end up with three questions: What can we do with what we have? What can we do with minimal support? What can we not do without full external support? So that, that is basically uh, uh, when we talk about uh, the uh, biblical concept or the, the, the foundational truths of the ABCD, it's that everyone uh, has a talent, everyone has got something to contribute, there's no one who is useless, and everyone cares, and they, 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 that is what motivates you to act. Now, when we apply and implement this uh, approach, the, the methodology of doing it is that firstly, we start with what we call um, appreciating what is good in the community. Because people will, when you go into a community, they will say there's nothing good here. But when you talk up with them and you say, but tell me a story, what, what, what works well in your community? What works well? They will tell you, you know, there's this guy, there's this lady, there's this, there's that. Uh, but they, they, they are not aware. <laughs> that you know there are certain good things because their focus is just around the problems that they have so the first thing that we do is to, to help them to appreciate what is good so we use a technique which is called appreciative inquiry you ask questions from an appreciative perspective you don't ask people what are your needs you can say what are the priorities of the community instead of saying what are your needs because when you say, what are your needs? They will even tell you that we need food parcels. We need this, we need that. But talk about priorities. And, 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 and you say, okay, now you've got priorities. We use also the framework, which is called the SOAR. SOAR is S-O-A-R. S stands for strengths. O stands for opportunities. A stands for aspirations. And R stands for results. Usually we focus on the SWAT. And when you talk about the SWAT, for people tend to focus now on the threats and, and weaknesses. But we're talking about the strengths, the opportunities, the aspirations. What do you aspire as a community? What are your aspirations as a person? You are a young person in this area, which is called a so-called poverty-stricken area. But what are your aspirations for yourself, for your household, and for your community? Now, out of 
you know, uh, stating the aspirations, then it is what are the results that you want to see? We want to see this community, a, 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 a safe community, a community without crime. But what strengths do you have? What are your strengths as a community to deal with the crime? What are the opportunities that are there in the community that can help you to address the crime? So, so uh, th that is where we start. And then having done that, then we do the second thing is to do mapping, mapping of those assets. We map the human assets. What are the gifts and talents in this community? You know, what, what are, the, what are the, the, the experiences that people have in this community? We map the human assets. We map the natural assets. Do they have land? Do they have water? Uh, what is the climate? You know, everything that is natural, you know, and then we, we map the physical assets, the infrastructure. It does not matter how bad it is, but it is there. You know, there, 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 there are roads that are full of potholes. There are unused buildings that are dilapidated, but those are assets. And because for us, it's to come up with a plan that how do we now use what we have to rehabilitate these assets? We also map the social assets because the community is as strong as its social assets. If people are not, the relations in the communities are not good. You know, if people are just pulling each other sideways, then the, 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 the social relations are poor and there's no community because the community is as strong as the social assets they have. So we map also what associations are there. Do you have uh, youth clubs? Do you have uh, women's clubs? Do you have uh, environment? What, what are the, the, the community-based structures? What are the community-driven projects in that community? And then you also look at the, uh, and, and these uh, social assets, that is your, your community-based structures, are actually very good tools for mobilizing communities. Because when you go there and you know that there's a women's group, then you use that group to mobilize women. You know, there's there's a church group. Use that group to mobilize. So we use the social, uh, uh, as the associations that the, the, the you know that are in the community to help us to mobilize the community. And then you've got what the institutions. Uh, these are your schools, your libraries, your government departments, and these we call them economic anchors. Because when you've got a school in a community, and children eat, you've got this primary school nutrition program. The fact is, how do you link these resources? If people have got land and there are people who can do farming or they can just grow vegetables and there's a school where children are eating, how do you link these resources? How do we then go to government and say there is a school in that community, but why should the service provider who su supplies the school come from outside the community when the community can actually grow the food and the money can circulate? So we also map the financial assets. We use the leaky bucket. With the, the analogy of the leaky bucket to say if you are a community and you are like a bucket that is leaking, even if you can fill that bucket with water or with milk, it will leak out. So we then use that analogy to say, what are the financial resources that flow into the community? Into these poorest communities that are called poor and vulnerable, and I always argue with them to say the language that we use in community development is a depressing language. It is not a language that creates life. Because if you tell people that you are poor, you are the poorest of the poor, then you actually uh, strengthen that mindset, that the mindset of lack, instead of telling people that you are strong, you've got, you've got it in you to can change your situation. So we actually use this language. But the, the, the very social grants that flow into a community, when you, you, you check how much flows into a community every month, it's millions, millions. But... The, the bucket is leaking because the moment the millions land in the community, number one, they are all taking taxis to town. They leave the, the, the businesses that are in the community. But the business in the community also don't have the capacity to meet the, 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 the uh, buying the economic needs of the very people who are get, getting the grants. The little money that comes back into the community there are foreign nationals now in the communities who have actually taken over the local economy. So eventually there's nothing that stays in the community. Whilst there are resources that flow in, but the money is not circulating, it is leaking out and the community gets poorer and poorer because they are not aware of the, the, the asset that they have. So we do the mapping and then following the mapping, we do community visioning and planning 
and then we mobilize the assets and we leverage activities and resources from outside to come and support now what communities have already started. So in summary, uh, when you talk about the ABCD, it's about discovering your strengths, your gifts, your talents, using the appreciative inquiry and the SOAR framework, organizing and mapping, because you know when you do this, uh, uh, what is good in your community, you will find that there are actually people who are leaders in the community who are not actually utilized, and that you use those people to, to establish an ABCD initiating group. And that is the people that you will work with when you do the mapping itself. And then you link the resources, you link the assets, you mobilize, and then you start community-driven initiatives and uh, the sustenance of the of the of the process. What are the benefits for the church? What are the benefits for this collective, uh, uh, this united force uh, that is looking at transforming a, a community that is looking at uh, mentioning that there is change in our communities? Firstly, it is application of the kingdom and biblical foundations for community transformation because the ABCD is a biblical concept. So the benefits is that number two, it is restoration of relationships because when you do ABCD, people have got to come together and it helps to restore communities and relationships with your own self, relationship with others and relationship with the environment and above all relationship with God. Because when people begin to see that this approach is a godly driven, it strengthens also their relationship with God. And thirdly, it is a mindset of change rather than a mindset of projects or programs. You know, when government goes into communities, they just think about projects. We are going to deliver this project. We are going to do this in the community. So it is doing it for the community, to the community, for the community, not with the community and by the community. So we are saying, no, no, we are not going to do it to them or for them. We are going to do it with them and will be driven by them with us supporting. And then uh, it is also not something that you teach, you facilitate it. It is not taught, it is facilitated. So it means you must have, you must have good facilitation skills. And then um, it also helps the church to break, break out of its walls, break out of the walls of the church and become salt and light in your community. So it, it helps to break those boundaries. Get out of the church, go out there and become sword and light. And lastly, it is breaking the mentality of dependency uh, through helping people to see assets and to be able to mobilize the local resources. And that is what I was about to share with you this morning. And thank you for the, for the opportunity. Because sure. now um, as the church, we are partnering uh, with the community for a common good. Thank you. Sure. Sadie, thank you very much. I've not been in many meetings. We have had so much wisdom coming across in such a short period of time. I can see I wrote three pages full of notes, and um, and I'm going to have to listen to the podcast afterwards to, to, to and I'll be able to write many more pages. Absolute wisdom, Sadie. Thank you very much. Um, if you don't mind, so firstly, I'm laughing at myself because I heard hat. And what you actually oh. said, said is heart. Yeah, yes. the, oh, the heart and the head. Yeah. <laughs> so you can imagine how that hat kept me busy this past week. What would be the gift of the hat? And, 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 and I actually got a, came up with an answer. Um, mm -hmm. But um, you know the different hat, hat, the different hats that you wear. You know, yeah. the grandmother, yeah. the the, yeah. the the entrepreneur, the developer, the, yes. those things. But yes. we can talk about that another day. Um, yes. So, so the the saw. I missed that. What what does that O stand for in saw? Opportunity. Opportunity. Okay. Yes, it's strengths, opportunities, aspirations, and results. Results. Sure. Cool. You know, uh, Sadie, my, my, my dad has got a saying. Um, our people will stop being poor as soon as they stop seeing themselves as poor. And that's exactly what you explained today. You know, um, the moment when you see the possibilities and not the overwhelming things that's pushing you down, that is the moment 
everything everything changes. Um, Sadie, just one more one. Now I've got two more. Um, just spell that. Let's let's see for me, please. Let's see ma. L e t s e m a. L e t s e m a. Yeah, let's see ma. Let's see ma. Okay, it's an interesting concept. I've I've never thought of that before. And then the other one. Here's now a little bit of a curveball because you already gave away that you're a grandmother. I've always wanted to know this. What do you call, you know, in Afrikaans, we, as a, as a, as a, as a, a sign of respect, we would call a, 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 a woman that is not your mother or your, fa- fa- well, they don't necessarily have to be family, but you call them Tani. What is the mm-hmm. right word for um, Tani? A grandmother. In, or a grandmother, yes. In, 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 in my language. Yes. It's 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 unholo, you know. Yes, it's it's a very difficult. It's unholo or kuku. Kuku. Okay. Okay. And is that respect? Uh, is that respectful? Yes. When you say kuku sadi, that you know, people would say kuku sadi. Others would say unholo sadi. Because in 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 my Setswana, we we talk about unholo. Mkholo, mkholo. Mkholo comes from mkholo. Mkholo means great. Mkholo then it means a, a great person. Yes, mkholo sadi, you know, uh, or kuku sadi. But kuku um, is very easy, but mkholo is difficult. But that is now when you talk, now in, in Kosa they will say gogo. You know, kuku gogo. Yeah, gogo. G-O-G-O, that's in Kosa, and uh, I can't remember in Zulu what they say, but in Kosa they say Gogo. But but the, the interesting thing is that as a Motswana, when you say Gogo, to me, uh, because Gogos are associated with your Sangomas, you know, the Sangomas, you call them, themselves Gogo this, Gogo that. So when you say I'm Gogo, no, 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 don't call me Gogo. Because you know, <laughs> people will soon think that I'm a sango. <laughs> we can get ourselves into trouble so easy. I, I remember when I visited chi- China, the the word in Chinese for thank you is she she. But if you that if you and it's actually she she, I think. But if you say she she she, it means snakehead. You know, so I'm I am saying thank you all over the place in China, and the people look at me funny because I'm telling saying to them snakehead. And they don't know what is wrong with this uh, with the, with this white dude, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Sa- Sadie, I'm sure there's some questions out. Please, guys, put up your hands if you got questions for Sadie. But uh, I just want to say thank you. This was a very very insightful, um, um, you know. The, the you, you, I cannot I cannot say that I disagree with you on a single point here. And it is so important that the and, and and it doesn't matter which community we look at. You know, let's let's be naughty. Let's make it a difficult one. Let's look at the prison community. You know, where we free operate. These things that you stated here this morning will apply there as well as it will apply in Sandton or in Deep Suet or wherever you go. You know, it is. Uh, and using those those assets that's available. For instance, here's a here's a nice story. I've got a uh, I've got a guy that works works for me, um, Sam. He's from from um, Marble Hall, and he came to look for work. And I said to him, "What is your work experience?" No, he's a Malala pipe. No, no, no. If everybody understands what that is, so mm-hmm. the the word Malala pipes means sleep in pipes. You know, mm-hmm. so it's those guys that collect rubbish. Uh, you know the on the on the shopping trolleys that has been modified that we that we see in Gauteng and I'm not sure where else. Um, and the reason why they call Malala pipes is because they sleep in the drain pipes so that they can move from one place to the next place to collect the 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 the, the uh, waste. Yeah. So I said, okay, you know that's not really a, a skill set that I can that I've got use for in our factory. But was I wrong? You know, our old Sam collects all the rubber, the 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 plastic bags. Now, now we we buy quite a bit of stuff in plastic bags. I didn't realize how much. 
you know, we used to throw it away in the dustbin. It was a pain for us to get rid of the wastage because, you know, our government is not doing their part anymore um, in getting rid of waste. So the getting rid of the waste was a problem. And Sam turned the whole thing around. You know, we have now uh, people to come and see us to buy our waste. He's, he packages it correctly because he knows how to package it to, you know, he takes the, he takes uh, every once in a while, he tells the driver, come, let's go. We've got to get rid of this. And every once in a while, I get handed a, 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 a handful of cash um, because Sam has uh, sold the plastic bags or he sold this or he sorted this out. But the advantage is our place is now clean. I don't mm-hmm. know of, you know, I don't know of uh, bulk bags full of rubbish hanging around. Um, he cleans this up. And he's learned this from the skill. So one would say it's a skill set that knows, nobody's got useful. But actually, mm. he's in full employment, mm. just doing yes. that that one job. Mm. And he's making, he's paying his own salary basically, out of out of this. You know, so don't underestimate the simple things. And I think that's that's the key of what you're saying. Don't underestimate a small beginning or a small a small thing. Guys, if you've got any questions, please put up your hands. The, the, the Japanese, I was in a course once where the Japanese came to give us a, a, um, a course on how to solve problems. And one of the sayings that, I, that stuck with me is, talking doesn't cook the rice. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you actually have to put the boiling water on the stove or the water on the stove to boil it to cook rice. You cannot talk about the, the, the talking is not going to cook the rice. Mm-hmm. But the talking is a good start. You know, that communication that you're talking about in, in um, uh, um, encouraging the people, um, giving them the wisdom that, you, that you've that uh, you picked up over many, many years, explaining to them, but you are living in tough times, but there's solutions mm-hmm. and they're sitting right by you. They are, they are in your hands already. Just, just look at them. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Peter, go ahead, please. All I want to say, first of all, we need people like this in the government. Uh, I mean, it is actually wonderful, wonderful. Um, I'm just thinking about the little song uh, we used to sing, Little is much when God is in it. Amen. Uh, and, and that is a, a wonderful thing. So thank you very much. Unfortunately, I have to leave about at 7 o'clock. But thank you very much. It was a wonderful, wonderful morning. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you, Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I worked for government, and and um, the past five years before I retired, those were the worst five years. Um, and that was the time when I was, um, you know, uh, trying my best to introduce this asset-based uh, concept in in the department of social development and in other departments. And and um, I ended up feeling that I am misunderstood. But I little did I know that um, God has a, a plan and he was using that as a training ground uh, for me to, 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 to strengthen this uh, uh, skill. Because now the very government is calling me to come back and 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 train their own officials and train uh, NGOs and CBOs uh, on how to use uh, uh, this approach because you know unfortunately our government um, is not uh, looking at uh, enhancing people's capacity to do things for themselves because they want people to be dependent and hence even when you know they 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 uh, whatever that they say especially during these times of elections that if you don't vote for this party, then the grants are gone, <laughs> you know. So, so they have created this society that is so dependent, and it's not going going to be easy for us to change mindsets. But with God on our side, uh, I I I I know it 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 will happen, and and we just need to have a a government in place that also understands this language, uh, so that we can get buy in and support. But the little bit that we do on the ground, changing mindsets, uh, you know, from the ground, then um, it will swell up, and definitely uh, there will be change. Hmm. I want I want to make a prediction, Sadie, that if if we we can apply this, if the communities themselves apply the applies the principles that you have just discussed, there will be no need for grants. Hmm. 
grants yeah. will have yeah. no use. The people, when you yeah. talk grants, they would say, don't worry, we don't want the 350. It's not going to yeah. help us in any case. Yeah. We we already sorted. You know, they're going to yeah. give those grants back. Um, absolutely. And, and w- won't that be a great place to live? South Africa is a beautiful country with beautiful people. I've traveled many places in the world and we have the beautiful people here. You know, and um, there's so much potential. That potential, it feels to me sometimes like it's a it's a pot. You know, if you if you make popcorn, it's a pot on, on the stove with a lid that's too small, and the lid is getting pressed down on the popcorn. And as soon as we wake up, as soon as we apply these principles that you've just discussed, it's going to be like that lid gets lifted off, and it's just going to be popcorn all over. You know, we're going to have more popcorn than we can than we can handle. Um, and 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 that's my dream. Baya baya donkey zebras. Baya baya donkey said you did this rare personas for Auckland. Baya donkey. Yeah. Great. Thank you very much, everybody. It was awesome. Thank you for listening to the Transformation Table, where we talk about God's business.